Hallelujah. That means a thousand praises. It's the highest praise you can give. Somebody do that. Come on, is God worthy? As the song says, He deserves it all. Hallelujah. You deserve it, Jesus. You deserve every bit of praise. Come on, let's lift up our hands of this house and let's feel after Him for a few moments. Hallelujah. My praise doesn't belong to anything else or anybody else. My praise belongs solely to Jesus. Hallelujah. He's the one that redeemed us out of the hand of the enemy. He's the Lord that heals us. Come on, somebody. In the name of Jesus, my praise belongs to him and him alone. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's stop our hands one more time in Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open again to the book of Revelations, chapter 19. Revelations 19 and 6. Amen. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord here today. Now, I'd never do anything to embarrass anybody, but I want to say we have a special guest back in the house of the Lord with us. Sister Machado, we love you. We're glad to have you back in the house of the Lord. Church hasn't been the same without you. Please remember that. We love you. Everybody loves you. And uh, it's also good to have the Miranda family back in the house of the Lord. They had to go out of town last week, but they're here. The, they fill up an entire row, and uh, they're getting ready to fill it up a little more. They're, they've got twin identical girls on the way, and, uh, and so we're excited about that and having revival in Jesus' name. Praise God. And so, so thankful for, for that and all, all the Lord's been doing in Jesus' name. And uh, he's probably going to get me. Brother Kevin, you look great. Man, look apostolic in Jesus' name. Good to see you, man. In the house of the Lord. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6. I'm getting in trouble because I'm all sidetracked. Brother Bobo, you ran the aisles. <laughs> he, ripped that, he ripped that oxygen tank out and said, man, I'm going to run the aisles, man. That's awesome. And so, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6. I've been praying about what the Lord would have us to talk about and and, uh, and God put this word in my heart a while back, and it just happened to be that I just preached out of this chapter last week, and so there must be something extra in it for us today. The Bible says, Revelations 19 and 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to, uh, honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. This is a powerful, powerful verse. He said, Be glad, rejoice, and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And she was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. 
for fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed. You're in church here today. Guess what? You're blessed. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. He said, the bride has made herself ready, and blessed are those that make it to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Might make some people laugh. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Would you set down your Bibles? And we're going to pray. I think God's got a word for us here today. And God's going to help each and every one of us to make it up in our mind. I'm going to be one of those blessed individuals that makes it to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come on, would you lift up your voice and let's pray here today in the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you today, amen, for everything that you have already done for us, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're going to speak. I pray God help me to preach it and help us to receive the word of the Lord Amen. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. In Jesus' name. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Interestingly enough, this is Valentine's Day. And uh, some people are hoping I get done preaching so they can make reservations. So I'll do my best to get out of the way. Amen. But. I felt to preach this, and it just happened to be today that I felt to preach this. Marriage is a major theme in the Bible. As Jesus reiterated in Matthew chapter 19, there's many that want to read into that, and they're trying to find uh, all sorts of debates in what Jesus was talking about. But what Jesus was really letting the, the people that were trying to trick him and trap him by his words, what he was really telling them, is that marriage is an institution of God. He said it this way, in the beginning God created them male and female. I think we might need to tell our current society that, but uh, that is still true today. Marriage is more than legislation or a tax break. As people would like to rally and they'd like to get together and they want to champion so that they can somehow pass legislation and acquire that tax break. I want to remind somebody that marriage is a man between one man and one woman. And marriage is not legislated. You can't vote marriage in and you can't vote marriage out. Marriage is God's divine ideal for humanity. Amen. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Amen. We've got a world that wants to take that and turn it upside down on its head. But uh, I, I always wondered about this. Why do people without God want to be married? Marriage is a divine ideal. Jesus would remind them that it was God's idea that he would create Adam. And that out of Adam's side, he would pull and Eve, that there would be a spouse, there would be unity, there would be oneness. Amen. The Bible is a book with a major theme of marriage, but it's also a record of marriages. The Bible is quick to tell us about good marriages. Praise God for that. Uh, but it also tells us 
about some bad ones. It will tell us, amen, about Esau and the fact that he was one of the first to practice polygamy. And people that have just started reading the Bible, they wonder about that. Well, you're seeing a world that has left God's ideal and they have stepped away, amen, from the way that God originally intended it. And sin has entered into the world. And Esau is now not living for God. He is living for himself. And if I were to put it into multiple, into, to modern day terms, it's as if Esau had got one wife and then left that one and got another. Amen. He's got, amen, multiple issues going on there. And yet the Bible tells us of some positive times. When Isaac waited and he prayed and he obeyed and followed his father. And in the right time there was, amen, the servant of his father that brought Rebekah to him. And she was a good wife and she was willing to go. And she ended up in the lineage of Jesus because of her willingness to marry the right person. Amen. That's some good counsel for some single folk here today on, uh, on Valentine's Day. It's actually Singles Awareness Day for some people. But uh, make sure you bring God into the picture and you let God put everything together because the things we try to put together and the houses that we build, they collapse. But if the Lord builds a house, we can trust that it's got the right foundation. Oh, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. For those that, that got tied up in romance novels, just so you know, there's some love stories in the Bible. You can read the book of Ruth, and then there's Boaz. She's gone through heartbreak. She's gone through death of a, of a spouse, and God makes it work where she gets to marry again. You could talk about Esther, who was called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And she gets to marry the king. And this is what they base a lot of movies on. They base the fact that somebody from uh, just a lower class gets to marry up. This is a typology of us that were lost and undone by sin that the king came calling one day. And that king brings us into relationship with him. And those that were not a people are now the people of God. Some might not understand it, but you can ring the Song of Solomon, which is also a story of a king who finds a slave, who finds a peasant, and calls and, and beckons and woos this individual, amen, that, that leaves their high place, that leaves their throne to go fall in love with this person that in their mind does not deserve it. If that doesn't remind you of Jesus, I don't know what does. Amen. Because it was Jesus that left his throne in heaven and came down to the likes of you and I. Amen. And he didn't do it, amen, for any other reason than love. He did it to let us know that we were worthy of love. He did it to let us know that though he was on his throne, he was thinking about us. I wish somebody would give your God some praise here today. Can anybody testify, I did not deserve it, but I'm so grateful for the love of God, which was shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. There's also tragedies of marriages in the Bible. You find David in my call. What, what was set up to be such a great marriage, David, he killed a giant for this girl. Man, what a great story. He slew, amen, Philistines and went to war 
just to marry this girl, his wages were changed by Saul over and over again. But David said, amen, this is a powerful part of the story that David, amen, when he said, what will be done to the man that kills Goliath? And they said, well, you're going to get to marry his daughter. And David said, sign me up. Love makes people do stupid stuff, amen. It makes little, little young boys that don't have any war experience say, I'll fight any giant. Come on. Hallelujah. It's, it's love day today. We're going to talk about it, amen. But, but David was willing to do anything for the love that he had for my call. But uh, there's a lot of lessons we can learn from this story. It was, amen, King Saul, the father of my call, that got into her ear and began to tell her how terrible her husband was. And, and this is good marriage advice from the Bible, amen, your marriage. Marriage is more important than what your external family thinks. That's not my thoughts. That's the Bible's thoughts. And, and you got to be careful of in-laws because in-laws become outlaws and they'll get you to turn on one another. And it turned my call into thinking that David was a fool for worshiping God. It turned my call, amen, into somebody that said this marriage is not even worth it. And she married another man. you got to be careful of the voices that get in between you and the love of your life. Man, there's a lot of lessons we can learn about marriage from reading the Bible. So if you ever want to know, well, what book do I read about marriage? Read the Bible. There's some other good ones out there too. But that marriage ended in tra tragedy because David ends up having a fight with his wife. They can't resolve it. They don't forgive one another. And he ends up with Bathsheba. You've got to be careful when there's, there's fighting and there's unresolved issues because those unresolved issues lead to deeper and tr more troubling problems. Amen we got to be willing to forgive, amen? we got to be willing to love. In Jesus' name, God's intent and his ideal through the word of God and through life itself was to use marriage as a means of revelation for us to understand our relationship with him. God portrays himself over and over again from Genesis to Revelations as a husband as a fiancé, as a groom that is betrothed or engaged to his future spouse, us, the church of the living God. Amen. Although the Bible uses terms like bride, gentlemen, let me help you. Amen. It's not, it's not talking about gender. Amen. What it's saying is that we take his name upon us. Amen. That's why people that don't get baptized in Jesus' name weird me out. Amen. It's the same oddity of somebody saying, I'm going to take my wife's name. No, you, you go ahead and do it this way. When we got baptized, we didn't get baptized in our own name or our own righteousness. We said, Jesus, I want your name over my life. I might have been part of the Jones family before, the Hood family before, but when I got baptized in Jesus, I left that family behind, all of its dysfunctions behind, and I joined. Jesus without this understanding of the fact that God is desiring amen to be in a, a marriage type relationship with us without this understanding people view God through the wrong lens they see God as a slave master they are the slaves they see church as religion they see it as a forced way of living it's no longer get to's it's 
have-tos. And when you view God in any other lens than the Bible saying God is love, everything God says, everything God does will be viewed through the wrong paradigm. But when you get the premise right that God loves me, it doesn't matter if it's correction, God loves me. It doesn't matter if it's a trial, God loves me. It doesn't matter if it's a good time, a bad time, if I'm up on the mountain or down in the valley. I got the wrong, the right premise that says I've got a Father in heaven that loves me. I've got, amen, a spouse, if you will, that loves me. I got somebody that'll never leave me nor forsake me. I've got somebody that will stay committed and stay faithful at all times. Amen. People that view God through the wrong lens, they'll see him as being mean and not seeing it through love. I want to remind somebody that your walk with God, my walk with God, is a love-based relationship. Well, are you religious? Not really. Unless you're talking about James, pure religion, undefiled before God, amen, to be a Christian, amen. Uh, I want you to know I've got a relationship with God. Well, you must be religious. You go to church. No, you don't get it. You think it's all about laws, rules, regulation, do's and don'ts. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. But you missed it a million miles ago, amen, because when I was a sinner, he loved me. When I was without hope, he gave me hope. Come on, somebody. When I was down in the pit, he said, let me join you down in that pit and pick you up out of it. Come on, somebody. He said, I'll take you. I'll care for you. Amen. In sickness and in health. Come on, somebody. For richer or poor, whether you're rich, you got it all, or you're broke. He said, I'm going to be there. Come on. He said, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. My love will remain. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. God is winning us over with his love and with his affection. That's why the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It is his love and his affection that convicts us and compels us to grow and to get better. Every blessing from God is a love letter from heaven. Amen. Can I also break it down? Every time you read your Bible, there are 66 books. Amen. I know it might seem like a daunting task, but what you are reading is a love letter from heaven that has, that has gone through kings that tried to destroy it, religions that tried to to burn it. Amen. This book has survived and it's God's way of saying, I love you and I've got a plan for you. Amen. It's God's way of saying, I'm there and you can rely on me. I'm faithful even in the midst of it all. Every moment of peace and joy is God showing us his love. Forgiveness, amen, as much as we shout about it and we are thankful and we weep at church about it, I want to help you here today. Forgiveness is God keeping the relationship alive. Amen, I want to remind you the premise in which God came. For God so loved the world. 
Let me repeat that. God so loved the world. Let me personalize it. God so loved you and your world and your life. He said, I love you too much to let you continue down that path. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We shout about blessings and we shout about prophecies and promises. But I wonder, is there anybody that can shout because they got a revelation that there is a God that loves me? Oh, somebody clap your hands and shout at him with a voice of triumph. Thank you for his love. God loves you. You don't tell anything else to anybody anything else about God. You can go knock doors and just tell them, I want to remind you, God loves you. Too many people think God is mad at them. God hates them. But I want to remind you here today, the greatest love that was ever given is Jesus Christ. And Jesus loves you. The Apostle Paul admonished us about the love of God in Ephesians chapter 3. He said that Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. People that are not rooted and grounded in love, their foundation is completely off and they, they see things through the wrong paradigm. You've got to be rooted and grounded in love. Let me talk about the love of God as Paul would put it. So that you might be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the depth, and what is the height. Amen. He's talking about the dimensions of the love of God. And if you get rooted and grounded in the love of God, everywhere you turn, you start going down the length and everywhere down that hallway, he's going to let you know, I love you. You start looking up and you see the height of that ceiling and you think it's so far. Amen. It's so short. He'll just extend that roof a little bit and let you know, I love you more than you could ever imagine. It's like getting on a boat in the Mariana Trench. You can't find the depth of it. You can't find the bottom of it. Paul would put it this way in Romans. What shall separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And he made it up in his mind. There is nothing and there is no one that can separate us. Come on somebody. If there's anything to get excited about, it's the love of Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody give him praise. Somebody shout for just a moment. Come on, nothing can separate you. Nobody can separate you. Not, not, not trials, not troubles, not tribulation. Nothing shall separate us. Paul would continue and say that to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You can't understand it. You can't comprehend it. It passes all human intellect. We cannot wrap our brains about it. This is why people don't want to believe in God because they, don't, they can't wrap their mind around an infinite God that would look on somebody as small and insignificant as you and I and tell us, I love you. One of people's biggest problems, and they take this into their marriages, they take this into their relationships, is that they don't believe they're worthy of love. Hallelujah. They don't feel like they're worthy of love, so therefore they reject any form of love. Hallelujah. Came to preach to somebody. 
But I want to remind you the Bible says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, when you begin to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit gives the utterance, uh, the love of God begins to permeate every area of your life. Uh, amen. That mind that's playing tricks on you and telling you all sorts of lies, uh, the devil that's been whispering in your ears, uh, the love of God begins to shed abroad. It starts moving into this area. It goes back and it says, you know, those areas in your past uh, where you were not loved by other people, let me shed my love there through the Holy Ghost. It begins to flow. We're preaching about the overflow. When you get the Holy Ghost, you know what flows? The love of God flows. When you get the Holy Ghost, you might have felt unloved before you get it, but by the time you get done having it, it overflows. You know how it overflows? I can love people that I didn't think I could love. I can forgive people I didn't think I could forgive. I can have mercy on people that weren't having mercy on me because I got the love of God. Does anybody got the Holy Ghost? It's the love of God and it sheds abroad. It overflows. Somebody clap your hands and shout. love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. How do I know if God loves me? Did God give you the Holy Ghost? Well, I don't have the Holy Ghost yet. Today's your day. You can say I wasn't loved. I didn't feel love when I walked in. But you can lift your hands and God can say, let me show you how much I love you. I used to sit on a throne in heaven, but now I sit on the throne of your heart. I used to sit on a golden throne. Everything was beautiful. But there was no more beautiful place for God than to die and to raise again on the third day so that he might fill your heart. The Holy Ghost, the Bible says, is the earnest. It is the down payment of our inheritance. Can I preach it from a modern day standpoint? The Holy Ghost was our engagement gift from God. And I preach to some married folks, amen, that, that you were dating and all those dates were great, but that wasn't the best that was to come. Hallelujah. Amen. That was just the down payment. Uh, that was just them showing you, uh, amen, that if you, let, if you give your life to me uh, and you marry me, uh, amen, all you've experienced during the dating scene, everything you've experienced uh, during the engagement, uh, it's about to get a whole lot better. Uh, if you come with me, come on somebody, uh, amen, when they said if you'll marry me, uh, amen, what you've seen, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, when God gave you the Holy Ghost, what he was saying, uh, he was getting down on one knee uh, and he was saying this is nothing compared to that which will be revealed when we will get over on the other side. Can I preach about the love of God like I feel it? Amen. When God gave you the Holy Ghost, it was this much compared to what we will see on the other side. Somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify him. Come on, let's praise him for just a moment. Come on. You ain't seen nothing yet. Church is great, but you ain't seen nothing yet. Praying in the Holy Ghost is awesome, but you ain't seen nothing yet. This is just engagement, honey. Amen. All that we have in Jesus is just a fraction. Paul would put it this way. We, in, the, in, the, in the chapter of love, we see through a glass darkly. It's a foggy window. We can't quite see Jesus. We're trying our best. It's like a black mirror. We're doing our best to look through it. Amen. But he said one day, 
I can't wait for that day. One day I'm no longer have to look through this dark lens. One day I'm going to see him face to face. And everything I thought was great down here, it meant everything I thought was great in God down here, it's nothing to be compared with when I see him face to face. Amen. Old song says, oh, I want to see him. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm just waiting for the day. I'm anticipating. Amen. The Bible says, comfort ye one another with these words. What are the words that we're comforting one another with? That one day in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, what's going to happen? It's wedding day, honey. That one day in the month. Come on. I got excited about my wedding, but ain't nothing is comparative to when we see Jesus face to face. It was exciting on earth, but let me tell you, one day it's going to happen, and Jesus will part the clouds, and he'll say, I came for my bride. I died for my bride. Come on, I forgave my bride. I prepared my bride, but now I've waited long enough, and I'm not waiting one more day. Somebody clap your hands if you plan to be there. Somebody ought to praise him. One day I'm comforted. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. And he's not coming back for a lethargic church. He's coming back for a bride that has prepared herself, that has made herself ready. I know about you, but I want to be ready for Jesus. I want to be ready for Jesus. When God gave you and I the Holy Ghost, it was Him expressing to us that He wants to spend forever with us. Some people think, oh, I just shouted at church. No, 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 you missed it. He was saying, I love you, and I want to spend forever with you. When you get engaged, I was preaching to some married folk for a moment. I was preaching to the ladies. Ladies can help me out right now. When you got engaged, you got to start immediately planning the wedding. Us men got to pay for it. You didn't see us. We were working. We were saving. I was eating tuna and rice, trying to make sure I had enough money. Wow, you sure got thin for the wedding. Yeah, I was working out. <clears throat> I was broke. I was traveling around as an evangelist. I was already broke, but getting married made me even more broke. You got to pay for the wedding venue. You got to get the flowers right. Can I preach it? You got to get the dress as they say in this generation, you got to say yes to the dress. You got to get your bridesmaids. You got to get the right friends along the side. For us guys, we just find a couple guys that are willing to travel. Amen. You got to get a photographer. Amen. Plug for my friend. You got to get a videographer. You got all these things. This has led to an entire industry that produces $60 billion every year in the U.S. alone. This has led to weddings becoming entire productions. I got a friend that he's got a video business and he does weddings and he's got people that will pay him stupid money. Amen. To just record this short, smallest part of the married life. Amen. But they want to remember how great they looked on the wedding day because one day ain't going to be that way. We're going to all have donuts and be blessed in Jesus' name. But, but, but it has led to the phenomenon that I am preaching about today. Always a bridesmaid and never a bride. This phrase is describing a few things. First and foremost, it is describing the frustration that single people have. Amen. That those that are always invited to be involved in the production of the wedding, but have not had the blessing of having one of their own. 
those that got all dressed up, they made toast at the wedding, talking about how great these two people are. They travel long distances, pull money out of their own pocket. Uh, amen. I think we ought to change that. If you're going to get married, pay my ticket. I don't want to have to do that. I already paid for my wedding. Hallelujah. I don't want to pay for yours. But uh, they endured long, just arduous photo sessions where you had to turn and smile. And by the time I got done with all the pictures, I was not ready to smile for a month. Amen. Amen. You've got to stand at the altar to celebrate your friends and their commitment and yet they've not been to the altar for themselves. I came to preach. Typically, these individuals have all of the potential to get married, but for one or more reasons, they have not yet taken the leap. This phenomenon has led to many studies. It led them to discover one of the major reasons for this phrase, and it's called gamophobia. Not grandma. If you got gamophobia, you need to pray. Gamophobia. Gamophobia is the fear of marriage relationships and commitment either one or both parties are avoiding commitment out of fear they discovered that this phobia stems from two major fears the fear of committing to a new relationship because they had a bad experience somewhere with a previous relationship that messed up, that failed or fell apart. Or number two, a fear of missing out. If you commit to one person, what if something better shows up down the road? So people make the decision, I'll just stay a bridesmaid and I'll go to the altar with you and I'll shout with you, and I'll get excited with you as you make your commitments, as you say yes to the groom, as you say yes for eternity, yes for the rest of your life. I'll pray with you at that altar, and I'll get excited with you, but I have yet to make the decision myself because I'm afraid that maybe, amen, maybe Jesus will leave me like other people have left me, or maybe I'm afraid that if I choose Jesus, I won't be able to go to the bar anymore because maybe there will be one party I just don't want to miss. There's people that are afraid to commit to Jesus because there might be something better down the road. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Always a groomsman, never the groom. The danger is when this creeps into your relationship with God. The fear of committing your life to Jesus. There may have been other relationships that failed you, but can I preach it to somebody? Even though you had other relationships fail you, Jesus will never fail you. I wish I had ten people that believe that. Do I got anybody in the house of the Lord that says one day I stood at an altar with Jesus and he's never failed me? No, not once. He's never left me. He's been there through the hard times. He's been there through the deaths. He's been there through the sickness. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness in the house that says it's not as bad as you think it is? Marriage is a great thing. Being committed to Jesus is a powerful thing. He's never going to go away. He's never going to fail you. He'll be there through it all. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. And there's another thing. There will never be anybody or anything 
that will ever show up into your life and be better than Jesus. Let me say that again. There will never be anything or anybody that will ever show up in your life that is better than Jesus. So why teeter-totter? Why have Jesus, amen, on Calvary, down on one knee, at Pentecost, down on one knee, at the altar, down on one knee, begging you to give your life to him and looking at Jesus, say, I don't know if I can commit to forever. Amen, you gotta, you gotta pray that fear out of you. God has not given us the spirit of fear, no gamophobia. I'm gonna be committed to Jesus because before I was committed to Jesus, he was committed to me. For God commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love God. The Bible says because God first loved us. He committed to you. Commit to him. He said yes to you. Say yes to him. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. and Let's magnify him. Let's stand across the building and lift up our hands. Come on, let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Come on, are you tired of going to the altar and celebrating as everybody else gets blessed? But you haven't yet got blessed. Are you tired of going to the altar and praying with other people and seeing them get what they need from God? But you sit there and you haven't received nothing from God. Amen, I want to tell you what it comes down to. Have you said yes to Jesus? Engagement's great, but the benef- every benefit and blessing comes after the engagement. There's so many people that want everything God has for them. They want God to be 100,000% committed to them and give them everything that they had ever asked for. And yet when, they, when God comes by and says, will you commit just this much to me? They say, no. We hear stories and parables of the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins. Can I preach it for a moment? These are people that lived their life according to what the groom had requested. They had. Amen. And let me help you here today. When, when, when you come to church, amen, the Bible talks about the friend of the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom has the re- instructions of the groom. In other words, the instructions of God. And he says, hey, you know what? I really don't like this. Can you, can you tell them? Amen. This is an ancient tradition. And and, and what Jesus is really saying is God gave gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the friend of the bridegroom's job, my job as a preacher is not here to strike anybody's ego. My job is to say, you know what the groom's requested of you? When you get married, ladies, you don't wear a black dress, you ain't going to a funeral. Somebody asked, they said, Mom, why, why do women wear white at their wedding? And the, the mom said, well, it's because it's the happiest day of their life. And they said, well, why does the groom wear black? <laughs> when you get married, you got to say yes to the dress. Hey, come on, somebody. You get married, you don't just show up and she ragtag clothes. Say, All right, let's go. This ain't Vegas. Those people think they're going to marry Jesus and not change one thing about their life. God sends a preacher by and says, hey, you need to fix some things. And the friend of the bridegroom had done his job. But these ten virgins, they're all ready to get married, all excited. They're all prepared. But there was five of them that weren't full. Five of them made it. 
and five didn't. Five of them got married. And five of them were just bridesmaids. When you and I make the decision that we are going to say yes to Jesus, we're going to make it up in our minds. I say yes to the dress. I say yes to the lifestyle, God. Without holiness, no man or woman shall see the Lord. To get married, ladies, you had to say yes to the groom. Somewhere along the lines, you got to say, you know what? I'm done looking for other lovers, if I could put it that way. I'm done looking for another boyfriend. I'm done looking for another girlfriend. I'm done looking for other, other avenues in which I can. No, no, no. I've made up my mind this person. At what point? If you're going to be a bride, at what point in your life, you're going to have to say yes to the groom. You're going to have to say yes to relationship with Jesus. At what point are you going to take the vows? If I could read it, remind some merry folk. And I'll put it in these terms. I take you, Jesus, to having a hold from this day forward. For better. Some people have said that. How about this one? For worse. For richer or for poorer. In sickness and in health. And there's a beautiful thing, and we all said it this way, until death do us part. But with Jesus, you don't have to say that. Until death, we unite. I will love and I will cherish or honor you for the rest of my eternity. Happy Valentine's Day. This beautiful woman right here. I did get married... And stand there. Now, here, I love what I love what our guy did. He did it different. The missionary to Costa Rica. He said, he, I, I was expecting, I do. I had it on the, I had it so ready to come out. I've been single since, I, for 28 years. I haven't been married. I'm like, man, I, I, I do. I was ready. I was ready. He stunned me so much. He said, say, I will. So that people get married in the future. That's how I'm going to do it. Because I do as I do right now. But I do can become I don't. Now, I didn't realize what happened at that moment, but I thought about it for years after that. Man, that's a powerful moment. I will. I will today. I will tomorrow. I will next year. But never one time in that moment did I look and go, wait, you mean I can't have another girlfriend? Legalism. See, if you don't live based on love, you'll start thinking all sorts of crazy things. I have to go to church. Oh, terrible. Oh, my God. The worst thing in the world. You hadn't said yes to Jesus yet. Because when you get this revelation of love, when you get this revelation of love, amen, there's nothing you won't give up. They could have told me I had to lose my left leg. I'd have said amputated right now. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when you get a hold of the love of God and you understand how deep it is, how can anybody say, I just want to go to the wedding? No, I don't want to just go to the altar and rejoice with you. I want to make myself ready. Amen. I want to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to say yes to Jesus for myself. As for me and my 
my house. We will serve the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will serve the Lord at all times. I will praise the Lord at all times. Today, it's time somebody gets rid of that fear. Fear of commitment. Say, God, okay. I played for this for too long. Maybe you come to church for a long time. You celebrated at the wedding. But today's the day where you say, okay, God. I say yes. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? God, I fought on these areas. But God, I'm done fighting on those areas because now I know that you love me. And I say yes. I say yes to you because there's nothing like falling in love with Jesus. There's nothing you won't sacrifice when you fall in love with Jesus. There's nothing you won't give up because you're not losing anything when you fall in love with Jesus. There's nothing that you won't set aside when you fall in love with Jesus. I take you, Jesus, from this day forward. Come on, somebody. From my best days and my worst days. Whether I'm rich or whether I'm broke out of my mind. Whether you heal my body or I stay sick until the day I die. I'm making my commitment that I love you forever. I love you forever, Jesus. Come on, somebody, make it up in your mind. I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to his conditions. I I say yes to forsaking all others. I say yes to setting all these other things aside. This world means nothing to me compared to Jesus. But I want to love God with all of my heart. Come on, I want to open up this altar. Would you come and pray? The greatest love that eternity has ever known, the universe has ever known, is in this house right now. The love of God can be shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost. Maybe you were abandoned, amen, as a kid, or maybe through a relationship. God will never abandon you. You don't have to be afraid of that. Maybe you were hurt real bad. You don't have to worry about it anymore because when you say yes to Jesus, all those hurts and pains pale in comparison to his love. Come on, let's pray. Somebody make a commitment to Jesus. Love's not a feeling. Love's a commitment. I say yes, Jesus. recommitting themselves is the greatest thing you could ever do for the love of God.
moment, somebody make it up in their mind. I say yes to you, Jesus. Maybe it's a recommitment. I say yes again. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Jesus is in this place right now. The love of God is being moved through this place. somebody make your commitment and say God yes yes today yes tomorrow yes next week yes next month yes next year I say yes Jesus 